Hello, I'm Mercedes Stevenson, and you're listening to The West Walk. It's Sunday, September 5th. I'm Mercedes Stevenson, and this is The West Walk. The federal election campaign is heating up with just two weeks to go until Canadians cast their vote on September 20th. We have invited all of the major party leaders to sit down with us here on the West Block and to give us their vision for the country. On Friday, I sat down with NDP leader Jagmeet Singh, who was trying to win back Quebecers. Jagmeet Singh, thank you so much for joining us here in beautiful Quebec City. You're here making a pitch for votes uh, in a province which was essential in the orange wave. It's also the province that you're polling the lowest in. There's questions here about systemic racism, questions about Bill C-21. Why are you here making your pitch in Quebec? Well, I want people in Quebec to know that in this tough time when people needed help, we were there for them. We were able to bring in some real changes that got people more help. We doubled the CERB, we brought in and increased the wage subsidy, saved millions of jobs, helped millions of people and millions of Quebecers. And we want folks to know we are there for you and we've got a plan that's going to continue to provide help in the recovery. And we put a choice to Canadians and we put a choice to Quebecers. Four more years of Justin Trudeau who let the super rich have a free ride or new Democrats will make them pay their fair share so we can invest in people. When it comes to Bill C-21, the federal politicians like yourself, all talk about it as being something of, of great concern, banning religious symbols and wearing religious symbols. But everyone sort of says, you know what, we're going to leave it to Quebec to fight it. Some people wonder if that's kind of a cynical bid for votes in Quebec, that it's a wedge issue here and so the federal leaders don't want to get involved. Why not say, not only do I condemn it as a federal leader, but I would fight it? Well, it's being fought right now. And, and I'm a lawyer and I understand what that means. It's an independent process. Something I oppose, obviously, I think it's wrong, I think it's discriminatory. I'm strongly opposed to it, and it's being fought right now, and I think that's important, that should happen. And I want people to Quebec, in Quebec to know, I'm obviously in favor of separating church and state, that women should have the right to an abortion, women should have the right to, to be who they are, and that the LGTB community has a right to same-sex marriage. And I support those rights, and those are important rights. I just don't believe that it's right to discriminate someone based on the way they look. So I believe that we can also talk about the things that matter to all Canadians and, and Quebecers included, how we can come out of this pandemic. And I know that there's ways for us to work together to achieve that. When it comes to election night, we'll find out who the winner is. It's been a super tight race. Um, the Conservatives ahead right now in the polls. Before, you'd always said under Andrew Scheer, you would not support a Conservative minority. There is a possibility that Aaron O'Toole could see a Conservative minority. Would you support it as the NDP? I want to be really clear on this. I think that Aaron O'Toole will be bad for Canadians because he has cut health care and people want us to invest more in health care. I think Mr. Trudeau would be bad for Canadians because he's promised to bring in things like pharmacare, campaigned on it, and then broke that promise. I want folks to know I believe people will be better off. In my heart, I know they will be better off with a new Democrat government because we're going to put them first and fight for them. And but I if want you're not government and you end up being the, well, we can say kingmaker in this case because it's two male leaders, uh, how do you choose which one? Is there one that you would not support categorically? I want Canadians to know that they're, that's the choice they're going to have to make. But I can tell them my opinion on that. I think Aaron O'Toole will be bad for Canadians. I think Justin Trudeau will be bad for Canadians. I think they will be best served by electing more new Democrats. But if that they don't the elect more new thing. Democrats, then what will you do? Well, that's why I want to leave that choice to Canadians and let them but know. But the choice will be yours at the end of the day. I want Canadians to know where I stand. And I've made it really clear that when it comes to Conservatives, they cut health care. They have made things more difficult for people. 
and they voted against some of the key things that we put forward in terms of what we would do, taxing the ultra-rich, getting profit out of long-term care. But so did Justin Trudeau. He also voted against taxing the super-rich and getting profit out of long-term care. So really, both of them have made a decision about where they stand. And I've made a decision about where I stand, which is for people, for our public healthcare system, for making sure the rich has paid their fair share. So really, both Trudeau and Mr. Trudeau and Mr. O'Toole have decided to side with the super rich. That's not my choice. So I don't hear you saying, though, that you wouldn't support one of those two parties. Both are options. I'm saying both of them are bad choices for Canadians. Both of them why, have why teamed up. Why won't you up. answer that question, though, of which one you'd support? Because it's an important one for Canadians to know if they're casting their vote for Well, you. I want them to know that they can make that choice. But I'm telling them clearly, I think both of them are bad, so choose new Democrats. Vote for us. I'm not going to tell them to vote for the Liberals or the Conservatives. I think they're both wrong. I think new Democrats are the best choice, and I'm going to encourage people, vote new Democrat if you want to make sure the rich pay their fair share, if you want to fight the climate crisis, if you want justice for Indigenous people, vote for new Democrats. When it comes to voting for new Democrats, uh, you, know, you are vastly ahead of where you were in the last election when it was kind of a save the furniture, just <laughs> keep official party status. And now here you've had sort of this outpouring of support from Canadians who really like you on a personal level. Um, and, and I hear this from folks who are not in politics. They're like, Jagmeet Singh is the guy who I would want to have over for a barbecue or who I'd want to go for a drink with. You're a superstar on TikTok. You have almost 800,000 followers. I think it was, you're saying 760 some thousand, huge, huge number. Does that translate though into support at the polls? Is the guy who you want to have over for a barbecue the guy who you want to be your prime minister? Well, I definitely want to come over to those barbecues, so definitely send those invitations <laughs> over for folks that want me over. I would love to try out your food. Um, I just want folks to know that, that I care deeply about people and, and that they've got a choice to make in this election. And I've seen the Liberals take people's vote for granted. They just assume they're going to get votes. I've seen Conservatives take people's votes for granted. I want to earn your vote. I'm going to fight hard to earn people's vote. And I believe that people have a choice to make in this election. And I'm hoping they can make that choice for new Democrats. But I'm going to keep on working hard to earn their support every day. Let's talk about some policy options here. Sure. Pipelines, big one for you. You've talked a lot about Trans Mountain. It's not really clear to me, though, whether you'd cancel it if you came into government or you had that deciding say. So if uh, we get to September 20th and you're in government, do you keep Trans Mountain or do you toss it? So on this one, I've, I've been really clear. I'm, I'm opposed to it. I think it was a wrong decision. I think Justin Trudeau should have never bought it. I think the expansion is uh, seriously threatening British Columbia's coastline, the tanker traffic, indigenous communities have raised serious concerns, so I'm opposed to that. And, and I want folks to know that that's always been my position and that will remain my position. If you're opposed to it, does that mean you cancel it though, if it's already being built? When it comes to what we do with the asset, you know, we've, we've got a decision that Justin Trudeau made and we'll take a look at it once we're in government to but look at what that means. But you know if that's a yes or no, whether or not, I mean, it's, it's, it is where it is. It's not like a, a national security secret. We know the pros and cons on the pipeline. As a leader, what's your position on it? My position is that I'm opposed to it. I've been opposed to it. I'll remain opposed to it. I think it's something that was a wrong decision. I would rather spend money on investing in renewable energy. I'd rather spend money investing in creating jobs right now. I'd rather invest in supporting workers in resource sectors and oil sands and energy sector workers that need jobs right now and have lost their jobs because of the volatility of the market. I'd want to create jobs for them now. I want to invest in them now. I think this was a bad decision. I don't think it answers whether or not you cancel it, but let's move on to China. Uh, we are coming up on the 1,000-day mark of the detention of Michael Spavor and Michael Kovrig. Uh, 
If you were prime minister, how would you handle this? Would you consider trading Meng Wanzhou for the two Michaels? Would you take a harder stance on China and sanction them? What's the NDP's approach to this? On this, uh, on this issue, I've been very open and critical about uh, Mr. Trudeau when it comes to things around pharmacare, around healthcare, around the environment. Uh, when it comes to Mr. Spavor and Mr. Kovrig, this has been a very difficult matter, and, and I feel like Canada is doing the best we can. I think we just got to continue to apply whatever pressures we can using our diplomatic tools and working with international allies to apply that pressure on China to secure the release of these Canadians. These are, these are people that have, as you mentioned, have Isn't been Isn't that what the government's already for, doing, though? Well, that's why on this one I'm not, uh, I, I've been very clear. When I'm critical about things, it's because I think there's a different approach I would take. And I've pointed that out with the environment, with the health care, with taxing the super rich. On this one, I, I've not been critical of, of Mr. Trudeau because this is one where I get how complex it is and the efforts are being made. Vaccine passports is something that's on a lot of Canadians' minds. Right now, it's provincial. Do you think that this should be a federal issue? And I'd also ask you, as a lawyer who's concerned about civil rights, human rights, and privacy rights, how you balance the public health aspect of having a document that, like that, and also at the same time protect people's privacy. I think, well, on the, on the idea of balancing people's individual liberties and, and security, it's something, or in safety, it's something that we do often, and it's an important balance that we've got to strike. With the vaccine passports, I think having a document that the federal government produces, which shows your proof of a, who you are and that you've been vaccinated would just make life easier. My wife and I were just filling out the forms and she was saying this is so complicated to try to prove her state of vaccination when going to Newfoundland and Labrador. Very important thing to do, but she said, wouldn't it be just easier if we just could just show proof? I said, that's what we're fighting for. We believe that there should be a federal document, easy, simple to use. You can travel across Canada, travel internationally, but we should definitely have a document that shows who you are and that you've been vaccinated. Make it easy, make it easy for Canadians to travel within our country. What do you have to achieve between now and election night? What's, we're now into sort of, you know, the final sprint. What is in your sights? Our goal is to keep on putting that choice to Canadians, to let them know that better is possible, that we can achieve the things that we want, that we don't have to be stuck with kind of the same choices of previous governments coming out of a crisis, which either mean cutting help to people or putting the pressure back on the same folks that have, that have had a tough time. We're offering a third option, and I want Canadians to know that they can choose this third option, which is let's make the billionaires pay their fair share, the rich companies that make money in Canada, stop hiding that in offshore tax havens, but start paying back their fair share. And then we can invest in people and the solutions that people need. I'm going to make that case to Canadians, take that across the country, and let folks know we can tackle the housing crisis and invest in health care and make sure Indigenous people have justice. We can do these things. I believe in it. I'm optimistic and hopeful for it. Who is the one international or Canadian politician you would hope to emulate in your career? Oof. You know, a lot of folks have uh, talked about Jack Layton as being a, a happy warrior and He's someone that inspired me to get into politics, so I think about him a lot. I think about how he was able to bring together people in a really inspirational way, and it's someone that, that I look up to a lot and someone that was the reason why I got into politics. So, yeah, I think that's someone that I look up to. Mr. Singh, thank you for sitting down with us, and we'll see you uh, on election night. For sure. Thanks so much. With just two weeks left in the election campaign, the latest polls show the Liberals and the Conservatives are neck and neck with a slight Tory lead. When things get close, it's no surprise that we start to see ads like these. Let's take back Canada. Aaron O'Toole says he wants to take Canada back. 
back to private, for-profit healthcare. Back to the days when assault weapons were legal. He says he'll give you affordable daycare and did nothing for six years. Justin Trudeau says a lot of things, but with a record like this, why should we believe him now? Do negative campaign ads work? I'm sure the West Bloc's election panel has some experience with this. Joining me now are former Saskatchewan Premier Brad Wall, former Independent MP Selena Caesar Chavan, and Calgary Mayor Nahed Nenshi. Uh, let's start with you, Brad. You know, negative ads, everyone says don't go negative. They're going negative. What does it tell you about this election campaign? Well, honestly, I think an effective campaign often has a dual track. You very much need to focus on your positive message, what you are, what you're promoting in terms of your platform and your vision for the country, or I guess in my case, a provincial election, and then, and then a, a reasonable and, and fair truth-based challenge ad or negative ad, as we call them, can be also effective. And I think there's there's one other sort of negative ad that can be effective, and that is if you're anticipating. The arguments, the negative attacks that will come from your opponents, uh, you can actually put together an ad about that. So they can be effective. Uh, they can also be, you know, a complete wreck. Uh, we haven't seen any more Willy Wonka ads, for example, since that pre-read effort. And so you got to, these are, these are, you got to be careful with these, but they can be Might effective. Might have learned from those. Okay. Selena, were you surprised to see the Liberals take uh, a negative tone? I, I'm not surprised, but I think they're in panic mode. And what we've seen here is an ad that looks like it's recycled almost. Um, comparing the two ads, where the conservative ad is a little bit more relevant, talking about why are we having an election? Why, during a pandemic, with Afghanistan, with fires burning, why now are we choosing to spend all this money on an election? Um, it, it is impactful. And to Brad's point, you could have an, an ad that has a lot of truth in it that has impact as opposed to it just being purely a negative ad, so to speak. So I think right now what we're going to see is um, uh, the, the impact of that conservative ad possibly could go in their favor as opposed to, you know, the liberal one. That seems negative for just negative sake, and it seems almost like it was recycled, like they were looking at the bottom of the bag for something that they could say about the conservatives that everybody kind of already knows. Mary, your thoughts? Well, you know, of course, negative ads work. That's why they're used. But they don't work for the reason people think they work. They work not to get people to vote for your candidate. They work to suppress the vote for your opponent's candidate. It's to get people less excited about your opponent and hopefully not vote at all. And unless you actually have someone, uh, a positive message behind that, it, it doesn't actually increase your vote in any way. So I find them extremely cynical. That said, I think that both of these sets of ads miss the mark. Uh, while the issue of why is there an election has, I think, hung on a little longer than I thought it would, ultimately it won't be the ballot box question. As I said a couple weeks ago, you're in the restaurant looking at the menu, you don't like anything, but you got to eat something. Um, the Liberal ad is a bit better because while it is very recycled, it does get to the heart of people's concerns about Mr. O'Toole, who has done a 180. Uh, from the guy who wanted to take back Canada to the guy who's in favor of worker rights. Uh, however, it could have been a little less recycled, and they could have said, for example, Mr. O'Toole will rip up our childcare agreement and cost you thousands of dollars. And for some reason, they didn't go to what I think are the core issues that will actually move voters. 
Well, and we're expecting to hear some of those core sure. issues at the debate this week, including um, the latest modeling that we've seen on the fourth wave of COVID-19, which is extremely concerning. Uh, Brad, heading into the debates, I know we always talk about them, political junkies, they're a big deal. Does the average voter watch? Do you just have to not make a complete disaster of yourself in this debate or how much strategy goes into it? Yeah, uh, well, you, you know what? I, I think you're right, absolutely. I don't think people watch a lot of debates other than those that are very involved already and maybe some who are really trying to make a final decision. So performance is important, but you really have to avoid screwing up. You have to avoid uh, taking the big shot or making a gaffe, you're making a mistake yourself and, and then appearing in all the reviews on social media and in the media uh, the reviews of the debate are, are, are more important, frankly, than the debate itself. For good or for ill, I think that's that would be my. Okay, opinion. we have we have one more topic that I want to get to before we get to it. Very hot, quick, hot take uh, from the mayor and from Selena on the debates and what to expect. Uh, I love debates. I to did 38 honest, of them when I was in 2010, but they actually—it's um, not so much the debate; it's the coverage of the debate, and it's what the debate says about the momentum and the brand. Uh, but I will give one exception, which is I understand from friends in Quebec that the French language debates, especially the TVI debate are actually very influential. Okay, Selena. To, to, to be honest, I don't think a lot of people watch it. I think when you have a debate, um, if the the individuals are not uh, speaking to people who are already going to vote for them, all they're doing is really solidifying those votes that are already on the couch. So I, I, I'm not sure if it really influences the switch voter, as uh, many would hope. Okay, our last topic on the panel. Uh, Liberals have lost a, pro, a high-profile candidate in a key riding. Uh, he was a sitting MP. Raj Saini has stepped aside after allegations of unwanted sexual advances, inappropriate behavior in the office. He denies all of them. It is too late to replace this candidate. The Tories also lost a candidate to allegations of sexual assault. Uh, although they moved more quickly and removed him, we're not clear on whether or not the, the Liberals forced Saini out or he chose to step down. Uh, how damaging is this to the Liberals, Selena? Well, when the prime minister says that he's going to keep that candidate, I think it, it speaks to a, a, a leadership issue. Um, whether the prime minister or the PMO or the, sorry, the leader, sorry, uh, told him to leave or he left on his own, a few days ago, there was support for someone in a Me Too context. And I just, I don't think that that bodes well for his leadership credibility. Brad? This happened to us in the 2007 election campaign, and it, the timing was similar. The issues were similar. Uh, the, the story emerged, not the story, the facts emerged, frankly, and were presented to us after the deadline for uh, being able to appoint or select a new candidate. And so uh, we tried to move quickly at that point as soon as we heard about it and made a change. And that's that's going to, you know, that's sort of the, my, my comment here, Mercedes. It'll be important, I think, that the, the leader of the Liberal Party will be able to make the case that he made the decision uh, that he, in fact, dropped the candidate, uh, you know, even if it's a resignation that it was requested, uh, because I think on this particular issue and with this candidate, uh, the leader needs to step up uh, in order to, to undo some of the damage that's already been done. Last word to you, Mayor. Do you think he jumped or was he pushed? Uh, I don't know, but I think Brad is right. The leadership question is the important one here. The messaging from the Liberals on this has been very muddled, to be polite about it. Uh, and typically, you would say, you know, further allegations have come up, and therefore this has happened. But to say we did an investigation, everything's fine, 
and then to get rid of the candidate, that is a challenging thing to say, particularly given the brand that the prime minister has set for himself. Okay. That's all the time we have for today, but we we'll keeping a close eye on these issues and back with our panel after two of the big debates next week. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Today marks 1,001 days in Chinese custody for Canadians Michael Spavor and Michael Kovrig. A solidarity march is taking place near Parliament Hill, where supporters will walk 7,000 steps in solidarity with Kovrig's daily walk in his jail cell. Both were arrested on espionage charges in December of 2018. But the Canadian government believes the arrests are in retaliation for the arrest of Huawei executive Meng Wanzhou here in Canada. Last month, Spavor was sentenced to 11 years in prison. Kovrig still awaits his verdict. Well, that's our show for this week, the third week of the election campaign. I'm Mercedes Stevenson for the West Block. Thursday, March 14th on Global. Stream on Stack TV.